Welcome to Live Life on Purpose with Jose and Jeff Feliciano from Feliciano Financial Group. In this podcast, brothers and certified financial planner professionals, Jose and Jeff, explain that money is just a tool to achieve the things you want in life, a tool to make the decision to live life on purpose. They draw from years of experience to demonstrate that when your money aligns with your goals, you can live a purposeful life. Because when your vision is clear, your decision is easy. Hello and welcome to Live Life on Purpose with Jose and Jeff Feliciano. Jose, how are you this morning? I'm fantastic. How are you? I'm doing great. Jeff, I know that you're in studio as well. How are you? Hey, life is good. Man, isn't it though? I mean, this is 2021. I, when, when we were in the middle of 2020, I wasn't even sure we we're going to hit 2021, and now we're we're getting toward the end of 2021. So, what are we talking about today? It's hard to believe we're in the last quarter of the year. I mean, time mm-hmm. has just flown this year. There's a lot to be grateful for, but we're at the last quarter. It's time to really review what we've gotten accomplished and uh, start thinking forward and and talking about tax strategies and things that we need to think think about at the year end. You know, most people do their planning at the beginning of the year. You know, they set out goals for the year, big expenses for the year, things of that nature. But more often than not, uh, what people don't realize is sometimes the most important reviews that you can do is about this time of the year. All your new benefit elections through work are usually you have to make those choices now. You have to think through, all right, between now and the end of the year, what expenses do I have? What do I need to do from a tax mm-hmm. standpoint before mm-hmm. it's too late? a lot of things to think through and do before the end of the year because the worst thing that could happen is, oh, I wish I would have done that. Oh, yeah. We see it all the time. We think it's good practice to have a couple of reviews a year. One, beginning of the year, you're able to recap the prior year, set goals for the year, think through big expenses for the year, just kind of come up with, ah, what's the plan for the year before Mm -hmm. tax time? Uh, and then have a review somewhere third quarter, fourth quarter, so you can think through new benefit elections, tax harvesting for the year, just what decisions do we need to make before year's end. Mm-hmm. So we find that that's just very good, solid practice. Well, I mean, there's, there's from my understanding, there's deadlines on certain things. You know, you, you've got to do things and, and get things accomplished before certain dates hit. So I'm assuming that that's what your clients are really relying on you for is, is to be able to review the things that they've already done, like you said, the, in this previous year, in this past year. More importantly, make sure that they're making decisions, choosing things, implementing strategies that may be time sensitive. Just reviewing the gains and losses of, of your stock portfolio or bonds or whatever the asset allocation that you have, um, your contributions and people need are we maximizing our retirement plans or you've got health savings accounts that you need to consider? Are we funding those? Uh, whatever the situation that you're in, there's a lot of items that need to be reviewed before the year end so you could take advantage of the opportunities that are right there before us. And of course, tax laws could change starting in January 1. So we need to prepare. What can we do now proactively to prepare for tomorrow? Yeah, so let's dive. Let's dive into that a little bit deeper. I think okay. uh, a couple of the the areas that we see most pressing is definitely money sitting outside of retirement plans. What do you do with those? Uh, what most people don't realize is there's some years that uh, markets are good. We're making money, and uh, we've got gains. And then there's unfortunately there's some years that maybe the markets are down. Maybe we bought a mutual fund or an index fund or an ETF or even an individual stock that may be down from the time it was purchased, thinking through, all right, what do we do with it? 
even if we want to hold it for the long run, does it make sense to take a look at gains for the year, take a look at losses for the year, go ahead and recognize those losses in order to offset some of the gains that we have before it's too late? Mm-hmm. But with proper reviews and really digging into those details, sometimes we can save a ton of tax money by taking advantage of, of the tax law. Do you meet with each one of your clients for one of these reviews, or are you guys reviewing all their information? And then if there are things that need to be addressed, you reach out and, and you guys sit down and make those decisions? Or how does that work? So we've got a process kind of built in. We're very systematized. Internal process, we have a 90-day no contact, which if a client or somebody that we work with hasn't been talked to in the last 90 days or seen in person for a review, they pop up on a list. Mm -hmm. And then we make a determination. Is it time to set a review or uh, do we touch base by phone to check and see if there's anything new or uh, planning issues that may arise? But the Fall reviews, we do like to get together twice a year, in the beginning of the year, sometime in the fall, depending on which advisor and and their block of business or whoever they work with, those pop up and those are reviews that are seen by the financial advisor. Sometimes it may be very simple. You can do those over the phone. Uh, It's funny with Zoom and technology Mm -hmm. these days, especially last year through the pandemic, a lot of those were just done over the phone under or over video conference through Zoom or GoToMeeting, but most of the time they're done in person. So that way you can really think through and and talk about life and what's going on and what needs are coming up, what our situation looks like, so you can make better decisions. And, you know, I'll give you an example. I mean, you know, what income do you estimate that you're going to have by the end of the year? And now we're coming up on open enrollment and we're coming up on the Affordable Care Act, which I don't believe is affordable, but it's, it's just running on up there. But it's important to, to predict what the income is going to be so we can adjust which buckets of money to withdraw money, which is going to be considered income and which won't. Just making sure that we're taking advantage of the tax laws that we're entitled to and just being proactive in our planning. Yeah, and then the tax laws, like you guys said, they change all the time. So I know that you work closely with a team that you know obviously advises you uh, on those things. Are your clients even thinking about that toward the year end? Because I mean, Personally, I think of taxes, first thing I think of is April 15th, right? I mean, that's that's the day, right? So for taxes, but there's so much more to it than that. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, that's one of the biggest mistakes I think people make is they start focusing on taxes when they get all their stuff together and in, in February or March, and then they take it to the CPA or whoever does their taxes. And, was, and then it's a, all right, here's my stuff. All right, how much do I owe? when there's so much more that goes into it throughout the year that if you can just put a different hat on, be a little more proactive in your thinking, then you can make sure that you're taking advantage of things that you should be. Mm -hmm. Uh, Let me go back to some of this tax harvesting. I think that uh, one of the things, a little tip, one of the things that I do see, even with certain assets that you want to hold for the long term, there are certain rules called wash rules that if I sold a stock, and I wanted to recognize a loss, I couldn't buy it back for a certain number of days. But what most people don't realize is, the, in a sense, some of that doesn't apply to mutual funds, ETFs, index funds in this regard. If I have a growth mutual fund or a growth index fund, and it's down, it happens to be down since I bought it, I can sell that fund, buy a different growth fund, or a different index fund. So I'm still technically in the market, but the fact that it's a different investment 
but with the same strategy, even I can still recognize that loss, but still stay in the positions, if that makes sense. So, you know, a lot of people don't think that through, but, you know, that is part of just making sure not just your investment strategy is sound or you, you know, have a good process of identifying and locating and monitoring the best money managers in the country, but also to make sure that you're always looking at the tax side of it because part of creating wealth is reducing taxes. So I can't stress how important that is, specifically with money sitting outside of retirement plans to be thinking those things through. What do you mean by money sitting outside of retirement plans? Are you talking about savings and and other things like that? Inside retirement plans, whether it's a 401k, Roth IRA, or individual retirement accounts, any adjustments or rebalancing that you do in those accounts, you don't pay taxes. Everything's tax deferred. You can make as many changes as you want to, whether they're gains or losses, and all of that is deferred until at some point down the road you pull the money out. However, money outside of retirement plans, so things like you may have a stock portfolio or mutual funds or investments outside, well, those you're paying taxes every year. You're paying taxes on gains, any capital gains, you're paying taxes on interest and dividends, and the appreciation or depreciation of the underlying investment itself. You just have to look at that and then make those decisions if it's in your best interest to go ahead and recognize losses in those years that it happens. Mm -hmm. Because sometimes we see, which is sometimes you even see investments that lose money, but for some reason you have to pay taxes on it because the embedded gains in mutual funds and the way capital gains work. Yeah, I'm really glad you clarified that because I think a lot of folks think of money that they have in stocks and money that they maybe have in mutual funds are retirement accounts, right? That's part of their retirement account, but it's not actually the retirement accounts you're talking about. So that, thank you so much for clarifying that. Jose, when you are sitting down with clients and you're, you're looking back on the previous years, what do you want them to focus on? Well, just to add to what Jeff just said is that when you come into the end of the year, if you're still currently working, can you add to your retirement plan so you can save on taxes off your income? Then also, if you're retired, then there are some people take withdrawals from their IRAs and they don't have to really take the withdrawals here at the last quarter of the year. Maybe they can take the withdrawal in January. So that way you won't have to pay taxes on that to the next year and a half for the year 2023 in April. When you withdraw your money, you are going to be taxed on it. But sometimes there's some smart strategies. Should you do it by the end of the year or should you just do it at the beginning of the next year? So I just wanted to point that out. The second thing that you just asked the question about as far as reviews of of goals and so forth, you know, we all have a tendency to uh, focus on the negative of what's going bad in the world. And, Mm -hmm. and uh, there's a lot of, a lot of things to be proud of. And, and my, one of my favorite exercises for me, what are you really proud of that you got accomplished the last you know nine months? And when we start to list those things out, there's a lot to be proud of because most of the time you can ask anybody, you know, what went wrong today? They could tell you what went wrong, but a lot of people, it's a difficult, has a difficult time telling you what went right and what we're really proud of. Mm-hmm. And it takes practice to focus on that. And it's just a, a philosophy of, of did we accomplish the things that are really important to us outside of money, which is family time, having fun, practicing your faith, improving your health and getting your exercise in. Those things are really important because I, I really believe that there's there's things that are more important in life than money and focusing on the things that are really important to you. You can delegate money, but what you can't delegate is time with friends, family, 
You can't delegate fun. If you could, delegate it to me because I'll have all the fun in the world. You can't delegate your faith and, and you can't delegate your health. So really getting people to really realize, focus on those things and, and you'll have a happy, healthy life. And that's what it's all about. And honestly, th- those things are reflected in their financial health, right? Because if you are financially healthy, most of the time you have more time to spend with family, friends. You can be more charitably inclined. You know, you can, uh, if you're, you're a person of faith and you choose to tithe, you can do that because you've got, or you know, an offering, you've got the, the funds to do that. So I would assume that all of that is wrapped up into your, the goal setting that you guys do too. If you look at the fundamentals of life, if we ask somebody what's important about money to you, we usually get stuff and things. Maintaining my independence, I want to be able to buy a new car, I want to buy a house, I want to travel and do those things. Well, let's just suppose that you can do all those things. Then what's important about money to you? And usually it goes to the second level, which is, you know, I really want to be in a position to help others and serve others or help with my church or help my family and those things. And when you ask what's important about that to you, then that's nirvana and that's living life on purpose or that's my calling. And I think that a lot of people go through life and say, boy, if I had this, I could do this. If you realize that you can do it now, spending time with church or spending time helping people along Mm -hmm. the journey, then I think that's part of living life. Because when your visions are clear, your decisions are easy. And that's why Jeff and I always emphasize being organized and simplifying things. Because when you're on track and you know where you're going, you know that's taken care of so you can focus on the things that really matter most. Yeah. Jeff, I don't want to gloss over something you said earlier. I mean, you spoke about retirement plans, but uh, when it comes to company retirement plans, like somebody's got, they're working for a company 401k, I'll just use that as the basic example. I know that you said that you can can make changes, but I I honestly believe, or at least I think anybody who, especially people that aren't working with professionals, it's almost like that Ron Popeil commercial way back in the day. It's it's kind of like a set it and forget it thing. They they sign up for their 401k, they name whatever amount they want taken out, and then they just don't do anything about it. So how important it is, is it to revisit company retirement plans in this time? I just had an appointment the other day that uh, was kind of a similar situation. Uh, they're making a whole lot more money than they have in the past, having a great year, but didn't look at or change any contribution percentages to their 401ks and their retirement plans. And those things change, you know, year to year, limits go higher. When you turn 50, you can throw more money into your retirement plans through the catch-up provisions. But let me give you a couple of updates and a couple of things to think through. You know, one, if you do work for a company and you do have a access to a 401k, uh, 2021 limits allow you to put up to 19500 of your own money into that 401k and either use the Roth feature if it's available or deduct it on your taxes. What most people don't realize is there's a catch-up provision, which is a separate box that you have to check and be mm. part of. But if you're over 50, you can put an extra $6,500 into that 401k as well. So theoretically, you can put up to 27000 or 26000 of your own money into a retirement plan and deduct it 100% on your taxes if you so choose. This situation, they had a certain percentage and then we only, we looked at it, noticed it. We only have a few months, a couple of months between now and the end of the year. So what we needed to do was go into the plan, change the percentages uh, of what we're putting in. So that way we can make sure by the end of the year, we're as close to the max as we possibly can. 
So you may have to change your deduction withholding from 10 or 15% to maybe 20, 25% in order to get the max in for the year. So good practice is to double check, make sure you're taking advantage by the end of the year. And then in that review, January, February to start the year, all right, what are the limitations for the year? How much income do I think I'm going to make? All right, now what percentages do I need to withhold from my paychecks in order to make sure that I'm putting what I can under the tax law at the time? One other part, there's people that participate in simple IRAs through work. So those limitations this year are 13500 that you can get in by the end of the year. And if you're over 50, then you can put an extra 3000 catch up so uh, those that have simple IRA plans through work, that's 16500 that you can take advantage of. You may just have to call time out and take a look. For those that work for hospitals or school districts, most of the time you have a 403B that -hmm. you're contributing to, and those limitations are just like 401Ks. Uh, For this year, it's uh, 19500 If you're over 50, it's another 6,500. So that's 26,000 that you can put into those four or three Bs and deduct it on taxes if you so choose. And I would add a couple of things, a couple of minor changes, uh, I guess major changes, the required minimum distributions for people that are 70 and a half, that that has now moved to age 72. So you wanna make sure that that's in place and you're not withdrawing money that you don't need. And then also uh, charitable donations. I mean, people wanna take advantage of of the charitable donations and should you do it by the end the year end or should you do it next year so that all boils down to what your situation is and then they got these health savings accounts that people can use and deduct it off their income so everybody's in different situations but it's just important to have a quick snapshot at the end of the year so you can take advantage of what the opportunities are out there for us so let me this is a little bit off track we're still talking about taxes i suppose but what if somebody has some property, whether that's investment property, maybe it's a second home that they've had. If they're going to be thinking about selling, because I know the housing market has been you know, pretty doggone hot, if they decide to sell or they decide to sell any type of property, are there tax implications that they need to know about before any specific dates, like before the year end? Or, or is that something you guys discuss with your clients? Real estate's a part of quite a, quite a bit of people's portfolios, whether it's owned in mutual funds, certain types of investments, or held direct as rental property or second homes. I think the important thing there is if that real estate is held for longer than a year, then the tax rates aren't ordinary income. It is subject to long-term capital gains. Mm. So the way that's calculated is uh, depending on what the total income of the year is. If it's under uh, 500,000, or actually if it's under, if you're married and it's under 501,000, then it's uh, taxed at 15%. Uh, If it's over that amount, then it could be taxed at 20%. So uh, that's a pretty flat rate. So you may look, like Jose said earlier, all right, what is all the income for the year? All right, where does that put me? And does it make sense for me to recognize that this year or should I push it to January because it's a better tax environment for me. You just have to make those judgment calls based on kind of your big picture, what you're planning, what you're trying to do, what does income look like, so you can make sure you take advantage of that. What Jeff is referring to is rental property, investment property. If it's your own house and you have a homestead and you've lived there the last two years or after, 
two of the last five years, then you you and your wife would have an exemption of five hundred thousand as far as a gain. If it's just a single person, it's a two hundred fifty thousand dollar exemption. So, in other words, if you bought your house at two hundred thousand and you sold it for four hundred thousand, there wouldn't and you're single, there wouldn't be a a capital gains tax because you've got a two hundred fifty thousand dollar exemption. That means anything past four hundred fifty thousand, you would have to pay a tax on. So, looking at those things and when should you sell it and should you sell it today? You're selling high, but if you have to buy another piece of property, you're buying high. So it's Mm -hmm. it depends, and everybody's in different situations. Got it. Okay. Guys, I know that we're getting low on time on the podcast, so I've got two more things for you. Uh, We'll handle them one at a time. So the first question is, is there anything else that you think the audience needs to know right now for year-end reviews and and what you guys do? Yeah, I just think it's very important that you just make this part of your review process, uh, somewhere in the first quarter, somewhere in the third and fourth quarter, uh, and specifically think through what's changes happen to me throughout the year. What changes do I know that's coming up in the next foreseeable future? Mm-hmm. What big expenses do I have coming up that I need to plan for? More often than not, most reviews focus too much on returns. Am I making money? Am I not making money? And it's not proactively thinking through what's coming and what's next. So make sure that those, you know, reviews, you're, you're looking at income for the year, you're looking at gains and losses for the year, you're looking at charitable deductions and contributions for the year. So you can decide, do you make those out of pocket or do you make those through your retirement plans mm-hmm. for tax purposes? But to really just be proactive, if I can encourage people to not take it for granted, and just make it part of your normal process so you can make better decisions and you can make sure that the decisions you do make is as tax efficient and proactive as possible. And I would give an example, not only being proud of the things that we accomplished this year, there's a lot of good things that did happen. Focusing on those things, we have a tendency to focus on the negative. And then also, do you want to have happen the next year? If you can kind of lay all that out and think ahead, then we could take advantage of what taxes we can take advantage of and And what buckets of money do we want to withdraw from so we can at least consider the last part of the year before January 1, all the different opportunities there, but then also plan ahead and live life on purpose. Absolutely. For those that are listening that are not, that are working with an advisor, if they haven't been speaking to you about year-end reviews, obviously from the importance of the topics that these guys have covered, they should be. And if they're not, I'm just going to tell you, you need to be talking to somebody else, uh, which of course I, I believe should be Jeff and Jose. So along those lines, as, as we close this out, Jeff and Jose, if somebody is looking for some help reviewing their last year and looking to the future, hopefully setting goals, so on and so forth, if they reach out and contact you, which we'll get some contact information in just a moment, what kind of documentation, what should they be thinking about bringing to that meeting so that you guys can help them review what's been going on this last year and plan for the future? I think a good phone conversation makes sense first to get a good feel of the things that are important, what you're trying to accomplish, kind of what a brief description of, of, of what you're trying to do. Then when we do set that first appointment, we do send out a checklist of documents to get together. Perfect. It's not important that, you know, it's not that you bring everything, just whatever you feel is relevant to you and your situation. So we do look at things like debt, big expenses, checking savings, CDs, interest rates, Mm -hmm. retirement plans, mutual fund accounts, investment accounts, life insurance policies. We like to look at copies of wills, trusts, those type of things that... You know, at the end of the day, 
we believe in making smart choices with money, and every decision you make with money has an impact on everything else. So you have to take a look at the big picture in order to create more of an actionable game plan with priorities of what to address first based on what's important and what you're trying to accomplish. Absolutely. And the more that people are organized and then we can simplify the process, more people take action, which I always believe action, no action is action. I think getting the second opinion is always beneficial. The worst thing that can happen is you're in great shape, but you don't know what you don't know. So yeah. I think that if you're not doing a year-end review, it could be costing you a lot of money. That brings me to the last point. How do they reach you if they want to contact you? So they can go to the website www.felicianofinancial.com or they can just call us here at the office uh, 903-533-8585 Fantastic. Jeff and Jose, thank you so much for your time today. Always a pleasure and always a great education. So I I hope that people found tremendous benefit in this and they're getting ready to to review with you and, and make some good plans for the future. And we want to also thank you, the listening audience. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to the Live Life on Purpose podcast with Jose and Jeff Feliciano. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when the guys come out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This makes it really easy to share these podcasts with your friends and family. Again, thanks for listening today. For everyone at Feliciano Financial, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live life on purpose. Thank you for listening to Live Life on Purpose with Jose and Jeff Feliciano. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Feliciano Financial Group. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning.